Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. I'm glad to be here, uh, part of the uh, Being Church series. We're continuing uh, <laughs> teaching through that and uh, taking seven weeks this summer to kind of dig deep into what it means to be the church. And looking at it from several different perspectives, and I'm going to be sharing on a, on a pretty specific issue today uh, in one sense, but I'm approaching it from a very broad um, uh, context, and I'll, we'll get into that for a minute. But let me just start off with this. If I were going to go on a journey, I am going on a journey, okay? It's not if, I'm actually going on a journey um, this uh, in, in July, I think it's the third week of July, and would you want to? Do you want to come with me? It depends well where I'm going. So destination. What else might you be interested in knowing? Huh? What you're taking? Jim knows. How long? Duration? How long? How much is it going to cost? You guys are nailing it. Anything else? Where are you going to stay? <laughs> Who else is going? Community. Very good. So, uh, yeah, you guys nailed pretty much all things. Where are you going? How much is it going to cost? How long is it going to take? Who's going with you? And I put also, well, why are you going? You know, why are you going? So I'm going on a journey. This is kind of hard to see on these little TV screens. But my first day, I will be leaving Kalamazoo and driving up to the Upper Peninsula on my motorcycle. <laughs> huh? No, if you have a motorcycle, just get a motorcycle. They're cheap. You can get them. <clears throat> Borrow one, steal one. <laughs> and then day two, I'm going to ride to the very tip of the... Upper Peninsula, the northern tip, is a little town called Copper Harbor. How many have been to Copper Harbor? Just a couple people. It's a, it's a great little place. Uh, right on the tip, and you're out in the middle of Lake Superior. It's absolutely gorgeous. That's where you catch the ferry to go out to, Mount, uh, to, to Isle Royal. Um, and then uh, day three, I'm actually going to go to Duluth, Minnesota. All right, you know what? I don't want to go to Duluth, Minnesota. I have no reason. I've never, ever thought, hey, let's go to Duluth. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about Duluth other than it's way up north. Um, but I'm going to Duluth. And then, let's see, it's one, two, three, day four. I'm going to go to, the, uh, uh, to a little town called Nipigon, which is uh, at the very northernmost tip of the biggest lake in the world, Lake Superior. And uh, one, two, three, four. Uh, day five is actually my longest day. It's eight, uh, almost eight hours in the sea. So that's not counting times to stop, to eat, and to fill up on gas. So I'll probably be journeying 10 to 12 hours that day. Uh, all the way down to Sault Ste. Marie, sleep there. And then the following day, uh, day six, drive back home. <clears throat> and so um, I'm going to go on a trip. I'm going to go on a journey. It's a 2,000-mile trip in six days on my motorcycle. I'm pretty excited about it, okay? <laughs> Circumnavigating the largest uh, lake in the world. Well, there's another journey that I'm also inviting you on, uh, and this one's for real. This is one's what we're really talking about, is 19 times in the Gospels, Jesus said these two words, follow me. That was his call 
for someone to become what we now call a Christian. That term wasn't used until sometime later. Um, uh, if, if Jesus just said, Jesus didn't say, Would you, do you want to become a Christian? Jesus didn't say, say this prayer and you'll be a Christian. <coughs> Jesus simply said, follow me. Right. And that implies he was going somewhere. Come on. All right? If you say, follow me and you just stand there, something's wrong. Okay? Uh, follow me is that we're on a journey. So Christianity is a journey. Um, the word for church, ecclesia, which I talked about a few weeks ago, and this is one of those Greek words that I think every Christian should be familiar with because it means so much more than what we often uh, describe it, we think of as the church. And, and uh, Reuben nailed it this morning with, in the announcements. Uh, you know, the church often is the building. Actually, the word church we get from the German word kirk, which actually does mean the building. And so the uh, English language picked up the German translation. And the reason they used it in German was because that's where the people met. Okay? And so it kind of became synonymous with the, the group. But the church, the word church in the Greek, ecclesia, is a group of people called out um, uh, into a community for a purpose. All right? You're called out. That means you have to move from where you are to where you need to be. You have to do it in community. You can't be the church singular. It just doesn't, it's, it's, it doesn't, it's a contradiction. It doesn't work, all right? Um, you need to be saved singular. It needs to be a personal experience where you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, that, but that brings you into relationship with all <coughs> other disciples, Christ followers who are in relationship with Jesus Christ, and you are to walk out your journey in community w- for a purpose. That's right. And so the church is called unto a purpose. And so that's the, 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 what we're using the metaphor of a journey is that purpose that we're called to. And so we're going to take those five um, questions or five points of the journey that we just talked about on my motorcycle journey. <clears throat> Destination, where are you going? Where is this Christian journey going? What's the cost? What's the duration? Who's coming with us? And then what's the reason? <clears throat> Uh, and it ties into, uh, you know, concerning being the church. And I'm going to try to, to probably do more than what I should in one sermon, but address these ideas from an eternal perspective, the big picture, but then zoom in uh, with each one and how it affects us personally on your personal journey and then, uh, and then tie it together to this uh, this objective that we're doing as a congregation uh, and as a church where we're uh, the 320 and beyond uh, initiative. And I've announced this a few times. I forgot to grab one. There's one of the brochures right there. Great. So there's more information about this um, in this brochure, which there should be some out in the foyer. And, uh, you know, it's just not good enough for me to get up and talk about raising money for a building. All right. Although that's what I have to do this morning. <laughs> because it's part of being church, and it's part of where we are as a church. And so what I want to very clearly do is tie in the what and the why of church and the what and the why of this program to the what and the why of the big picture of the Christian journey. Does that make sense? Um, you know, I don't want anyone, I can't be motivated to raise money just to pay off a building. You know, that, that's, that's just not a big enough purpose for me. 
But if we see that purpose as one of the uh, one of the points in our big journey of reaching the the destination of the of of going with walking out our journey of Christianity, then it makes sense. Does that does that work? Okay, so we'll explain that more as we go along. So those I'm going to try to tie in all three of those. So the destination of the Christian journey, Jesus said it this way. Um, he was answering, <clears throat> he was saying to uh, someone uh, when he approached them, calling them into relationship, saying this to his disciples. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is a really key scripture. You need to understand the scripture to understand who Jesus is and to understand what it means to be a Christian. All right? So in this passage, is Jesus the destination? Reuben says no. The Father is. All right? And so just if someone comes to Jesus, have they gotten to the destination? Have they finished? Yeah, they've actually just got to the beginning line. All right, they found the door. That's another analogy. He says, I'm the door. But you know, you don't just go up to a door and stand there, unless you're at church and it's fellowship time and you're in the doorway, keeping everybody from going through. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you know, when you go home, you don't go to the door and just stand there. Right? You open the door and you walk in. Door is entryway into a new space and a new place and a new purpose. And Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. And so going with Jesus is going to the Father. So the eternal perspective of the journey is that we're called into relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. You can't get there without going through Jesus. And actually being in Jesus. Jesus takes you to the Father. We approach the Father. And that is an eternal relationship. And so the immediate application, in other words, what can you do with that right now, today, and this week, is that we as Christians need to learn how to live in relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. That's not something that waits until after you die. Okay? It's not, you say the sinner's prayer, so you're, you're not going to go to hell. That's good. But that's not the point. You say the sinner's prayer so that you confess who you are, so that you can live in right relationship with Jesus, so day by day you can walk out the journey of growing closer to the Father. And as you get closer to Jesus, He will take you closer to the Father. And we need to find ways to live that out today. Um, and uh, if you're in a relationship, you know, what does that mean? <clears throat> Ruben, you're in a relationship, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> do you ever, those, do you, in your relationship with Katrina, your wife, do you ever talk to her? Yes. Like once, a couple of times a year, maybe? Every day. Every day. Wow, she must be important. Do you ever take time out of your schedule to see her? She wishes it was more often, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and that's the relationship between a husband and a wife. And that's good. Good job, Reuben. And, 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 you know, if you don't do that with your uh, marriage, your marriage suffers, doesn't it? 
You know, just like his, his wife wishes he'd spend more time, your father wishes you'd spend more time with him. Your heavenly father, your daddy, you know, he's got all the time in the world. He's waiting. He's present. Uh, uh, you, you're, you're, he's not too busy to hear you. We get too busy to listen to him. And, and he's always available. So that's what it means, how find ways to talk to the Father, find ways to commune with Jesus, find ways to integrate into your life. Um, and that's what the whole school of the uh, ministry, uh, or the, uh, um, the Wellspring School, it is a, there is a tuition to it, although it's nominal. And we will be having a class here in Vandalia. So I encourage you to plug in. It's a once-a-week meeting, and it takes the values and and methods of, of growing in that, and because you're meeting outside of a church context, you can go deeper um, and uh, learn it a lot better. So a new day needs to become better, and as a church, just quite frankly, I want to see us as a church get really a lot better. I want <laughs> us to get great at leading others into this relationship. We're called to follow Jesus, and that means to pattern our life after the life of Jesus, that means to do life like Jesus did life, right? Yes? Okay. So what did Jesus do? Jesus spent pretty much every day of his life calling other people into relationship with the Father. He would come up, follow me. And whether they came or not, he'd go to the next person, follow me. Right? He would teach truth. He would be imparting. He'd be training others. And so in order to follow Jesus... We need to be leading others because Jesus led. And so if Jesus is a leader and we're following him, we're patterning our life after him, then we need to be discipling or we need to be calling others, bringing others along on that journey. And so we need to get better at that. Um, as a church, as individuals, <clears throat> as a congregation, and as a group of uh, churches, we want to get as good as we can at becoming a church that regularly sees, wouldn't that be great? You know, it says in the Bible that God added to the church daily those being saved. And wouldn't it be great to see uh, someone getting saved on a daily basis or a weekly basis? I'd love to do baptisms every month. Uh, we have three congregations. We can move that baptistry back and forth. So the 320 and Beyond campaign, <clears throat> which is raising money to, to uh, meet the needs of all three congregations, is really about that. It's about each campus uh, you know, has its own unique needs and challenges, and um, we need to raise $1.5 million to uh, meet all of those challenges so that each congregation can be freed up from, and, uh, uh, from the limitations they have and be all that they can be. And, 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 the, and the reason for that is not just to pay off the debt here or to hire someone to pastor here. It's not just to build an addition at Nichols. Those points are just, they're like Duluth. Remember Duluth? I'm not, my destination isn't Duluth. All right? And God forbid I should get stuck in Duluth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we only make it to Duluth, it's a failure, right? But I have to go through Duluth in order to circumnavigate the largest lake in the world on my motorcycle, all right? So paying this 320 and beyond and raising the money and paying out the buildings, it's just one of the steps on the way to the greater purpose 
of becoming a church that can reach and minister to more people more effectively and grow people up. Um, <clears throat> our destination, a little bit more about the destination, spend more time on this than the other ones, is that we want to see people grow into maturity, growing up and growing out. So each individual that comes, we really put a lot into discipleship training. We have a discipleship track. Dale, for the last number of years, has been teaching a Tuesday night class um, that uh, was a core part of our discipleship. Uh, we're doing the school of uh, the Wellspring uh, school of, uh, this fall, as well as uh, other things that we offer, life groups, small groups, all of that, Sunday morning teaching, Sunday school, all of those things is to train people up to know how, what it means to serve Jesus and to uh, go on that journey. And then to uh, <clears throat> uh, grow out, in other words, to get bigger. We want to see new people reach. You know, there's 52,000 people in Cass County, and I believe that there's thousands of those who would really benefit from being connected to a life-giving, healthy local church like New Day. And so it's our job to to reach those and to bring them in. Uh, I was with a young man, him and his wife uh, are in London, England, and they they tried to get a a New Day church uh, launched in London, but it was very, very difficult. London is an extremely expensive uh, place to live and uh, even to find a meeting space. And they had a, had a space that was going really well until the landlord uh, uh, pulled the lease on them and they lost their meeting space and a number of things happened. So they're looking at relocating. So I was there with Jimmy McKee, associate pastor, uh, and Scott Jones <clears throat> um, from the South Carolina church just l- earlier this year. And we were saying, so Mike, what do you really want in the church? What's your vision? What do you want it, what do you want it to be? What, you know, trying to get them to articulate uh, what he wants in a church, and he was saying a few different things, and he kind of in exasperation, he says, I just want a church like New Day, because you know, he's been to our church here, not this one, but the one in Kalamazoo, uh, and he helped actually with our first church plant that we did about 15 years ago in, in uh, Grand Rapids. Uh, he, they came, they thought they were going to be able to move and, and, and be with the South Carolina church, but uh, immigration didn't allow them to move here, and so they were there for three months and then had to go back, and they've been working on launching a church in England. And I've heard this from other people as well, that you know we really do have something uh, of value, the philosophy of ministry, which I talked a lot about in previous messages, and just our passion to raise up and to release people and not to hold them like the crosses who are leaving us. So, <laughs> But it's great. I mean, Jamie came in, what was it, two years ago, three years ago? Three years ago. And, uh, you know, uh, and went from, you know, he was already a skilled musician, but now is a phenomenal worship leader and uh, the key couple in this church and now uh, out in Bethel and who knows where God's going to take them. So that's great. That's who we are. <clears throat> and so we want something that we want to steward what we have well. Uh, we're not a mega church. I don't really have any aspirations to become a mega church. Um, but I believe that a healthy church grows, and I think we can reach uh, hundreds and hundreds more and still maintain the culture. And we want to nurture it, nurture it well. And as I said, raising up and releasing people into their ministry, whether it be vocational ministry, like Mark uh, going from um, working for a building supply company and, 
and feeling like he was in a, he was in a dead end job. He just couldn't. There wasn't much advancement in the company he was in, and now he's he's doing great as a pastor. <laughs> he's uh, almost done with his master's of divinity, and he loves it. He turns out to be a Greek scholar. I mean, who would have thought a few years ago? that Mark would be able to read Greek and, and teach it. Uh, and in launching more churches, our vision is to reproduce many, many more churches. And uh, we can do that, and um, we have opportunities to do that. And of course, seeing our, this community and each community that, where we have a church impacted with the message of the gospel. Uh, and so our purpose for launching churches is that, you know, it's like a beachhead. You establish a place where you can then gather people to it, and you can influence the community. And we're influencing this community uh, already, is even in this early stage of being a church. All right, so that was the destination. Um, uh, what's the cost? How much is this going to cost us? So zooming back out from that uh, uh, thing of particulars of this church and us personally let's go back and zoom out what's the cost of the christian journey and jesus said he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me he who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it wow if you understand those words uh, you should be a little intimidated by them Because when he said the cross, everybody that heard him knew exactly what he was talking about. Because they had seen crosses with people hanging on them. Because that was the way the Romans crucified what they considered criminals. And they did it by the thousands. And so on a regular basis, they would have to walk by people either dead or dying on a cross. And so when Jesus said... um, he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Now, why would he say that? Because he was about to carry a cross. And Jesus knew that between where we are and where he was and the destination of eternal life, there was an intersection called the cross that Jesus had to carry. And he carried it ultimately for us. But we have to follow in his footsteps. And, and carry our cross. We have to live uh, in the same way that Christ lived, uh, and that is sacrificially. So the eternal impact of those words is that we as Christians need to sacrifice everything. Our life is not our own. We've, we've died to ourselves so that we could live for Christ. And that's just the simple truth of the gospel. There's nothing in my life that is mine because I died. And everything in my life is his. And when, when we have that, Jesus said that actually, that actually enables you to gain life. All right? If you try to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But when you lose your life for his sake, when you carry the cross, then you find it. All right? And so I've found eternal life by yielding my life to Jesus Christ. Jim Elliott, who was a <coughs> martyr, they made a movie of his Uh, life uh, just a few years ago, he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. All right? And so you can't keep your life. We all have an appointment with the grave. It is appointed once for all men to die, but then the judgment, okay? And so uh, we can't keep this life, but uh, 
by yielding this life to, to the Lord in faith, we have access to eternal life. So that's the big picture. We gain eternal life, and it's worth it. Zooming in to this application, and to me this sounds like such a small thing compared to the, what Christ has called us to, is, as I said, the 320 goals beyond for this, for this church, our three congregations, is 1.5 million. Okay, And that will uh, uh, enable each congregation to overcome the obstacles uh, for, for each congregation to grow. Uh, and it, in order to do that, how, how that boils down to um, is that we're asking each person who's, who's a part of our churches to prayerfully give above and beyond their tithe. The tithe has gotten us to where we are, but that's just paying the bills. Uh, in order to push past those, these limitations, like paying off this building and having enough money to pay for a staff here and building addition on nickels and paying off Vine and making improvements so that they can have a full-functioning children's ministry and, and a space to grow. All of those things, we need more. Okay? And so uh, $1.5 billion sounds like a lot. But when we work together, actually, it's something that's very attainable. And we set the goal this year. So last year, uh, beginning, it's all started in November. And we raised 170000 by March to pay off the Nichols mortgage. Wow. Bam. Wow. I know. Slam dunk. Mm-hmm. And then we decided, the team that's leading this said, okay, let's raise 100000 by the end of 2018, which would be just over a year into it. Uh, and with that, we're going to pay off the Vine building. So in doing that, we'll have paid off the mortgage at Vine, which is $900 a month that we're not giving to the bank. We can redirect that money into the 320 program. And the Nichols mortgage, which was close to 2000 a month, we're already redirecting that into the, the 320. And so guess what? We've, we've already attained, it's only June, two-thirds of that goal for this year. Uh, we've raised $65,000 of the $100,000 that we want to raise by January. Does that sound good? Yeah. Come on, give me five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited. About it. You know what makes me the most excited? The, the, the 65000 that came in did come in through, there was one particularly large gift. But what really makes me excited <clears throat> is that every week I get a report of how much has come in. I don't see individual giving. I have access to that information, <laughs> but I almost never pull it up unless someone asks for an re- uh, individual report. Um, but I do get a printout of how much comes in for each category from each congregation and almost if not every week at each one of our three churches someone gives something to 320 okay so there's a few hundred coming in uh sometimes it's 20 or 30 sometimes a couple thousand uh so each week and so you guys have have got it and and there's this balance point and i'm very aware of it that if we say if we talk about it too much you get weary of it if you talk about it too little, you forget about it. And so we're trying to, trying to do this carefully. We're not pushing it too much. But I'm stuck with preaching on this because I'm the senior pastor. And so you won't hear about it the rest of the series. Um, but uh, this is just part of the application. Again, the big cost is giving our life. So it's, it's all God. Um, but this is just the immediate application out of which we can... This is like Nipagon, all right? which is that town in the northern Ontario. That's not my destination. But I need, I need to get to Nipigon and past it in order to accomplish my, my destination, which is driving around Lake Superior 
in six days on a motorcycle. <laughs> How long is this journey going to take? Well, Jesus said it this way in Revelations. <clears throat> Zooming back out to the eternal perspective of our journey as Christians. Uh, he said, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So faith is a commitment that never ends. Um, because we're not just faithful to death, are we? Uh, because then there's the resurrection, and we will live eternally uh, uh, forever with God in a relationship of love. But we need to not give up. Uh, I think the immediate application, personally, is staying the course. There's very few Christians that are called to martyrdom. Aren't you happy about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, chances are no one in this room is going to die a martyr, like Jim Elliot did. Well, it's possible, but it's unlikely. But nevertheless, we have to live like a martyr. And that means living until our death. Faithful. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Um, and that sometimes is a harder task because it's a longer haul. Uh, it doesn't mean you stay in the same local church. I used to think that. I don't think that. I haven't thought that for years. Uh, because I just see it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> People move around. In the New Testament, people moved around all the time. Paul moved around. Paul would tell people to go to another church and to help out in a different area. And so uh, I'm not talking about staying in a local church. I'm talking about staying uh, faithful to God and faithful as part of the church because we're all called to be the church. And so even if you're not in this church, you're faithful in a church because it's the bride of Christ. Don't give up! How long? Till you're dead. All right? I'm in this lifelong commitment. All right? Faithfulness is demonstrated uh, daily. How can you demonstrate this on a day-by-day? Faithfulness to your local church. You know? Are you praying for this church? I've been challenging the leaders. I had a dream. I'll, I'll go into it. But to up the level of prayer, we need, I believe that in order for us as a church to advance, we need to be committed to prayer. And so praying for the church, faithfully attending, um, being here, uh, volunteering, giving regularly, all of those things is part of the expression of being church. And of course, the 320 and beyond, zooming, zooming in to that application, we can do this in three years. So that would be the end of 2020 or by January 1st, 2021. Theoretically, within our within our uh, our budgeting system, we there's numbers. I, I have somebody that knows how to do all this. We could reach the goal by then. But you know what? We're going to keep doing it until it's done because that's just what's needed. Uh-huh. We got to pay off this building. We got to hire staff down here. We got to do each one of the things. So if it takes five years, that's great. The three twenty is not three years. Three twenty is based on Ephesians three twenty, which I'll read in just a few minutes at the end of the message. All right. So the duration is till it's done. All right. And the duration of our Christian journey till you're dead, and then you then you get to live forever. <laughs> Very good. So who's going with us? This is a longer passage, but I love it. This is Ephesians 2.18. says, For through Him, Jesus, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Both. Who's he talking about? If you read the context, Paul was explaining to the church in Ephesus, uh, and God in His Word is explaining to everyone 
that at that time when this was written, there was really two categories of people. There were Jews and there were everybody else, all right, Gentiles. And uh, God had used the Jews for several thousand years as his primary means to communicate his word and his truth. But now he had expanded it through Christ that the promise was available to every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. And so the both is all of humanity, Gentiles and Jew alike. We all have access by one spirit to who? The Father. Hey, that's where Jesus was taking us. That's our journey. And we have access. It says, now therefore you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but listen, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We're in God's house. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are becoming built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So Paul's got a problem with mixed metaphors here. Because <laughs> he uses us a lot. We're citizens, we're members of a household, we're a building, we're a temple. He's like pulling all these pictures to communicate this point. Listen guys, all of us as individuals fit together. And it's being together. You can't be a temple. You know, a rock setting out in, the, in, a, in a field is not a temple. But you put a whole bunch of those rocks together in order in, for a specific purpose, and it becomes a dwelling place. And we put together are a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. That's, that's a good, that is a good word, brother. <laughs> so we are eternally one with God and as people. And Jimmy, I think it was just a few weeks ago, talked about uh, church as family. And sometimes it's messy. But that's, that's part of church. Sometimes it hurts. Uh, uh, that's part of being part of a family. But we stick together. The immediate application is church isn't theoretical. I actually know people that have gotten to the place where they they just look at church as kind of like this theoretical idea that as long as you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus, you don't really have to be a participant in any local congregation. Just read good Christian books and believe good Christian ideas. And and I'm like, that's not not what God's called us to. Uh, A church is a relationship, and it needs to be real people. Uh, meeting real needs of one another. As, as Ruben said, this past week has been difficult with a lot of tragedy and painful uh, 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 issues that people have struggled with. And you, you need a call. You need a hug. Uh, and you need someone to walk out life with you. A hundred times in the Gospels, there's, or in the New Testament, there are commands to, there are one another commands, that we're to love one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to forgive one another. And you can't do that if you're not in a real relationship with others. All right? And that's what the church is about. I think church is one of the best parts of the gospel. It's one of the best parts of what we're called because we get to do this in community. Uh, we're, not, we're not lone rangers. All right? We walk this out, this journey, we walk together. Um, so the question is, in zooming in a little more, how can we apply this to our churches and New Day? It's how can we grow in unity in community, not only each congregation, Vandalia, Nichols, and Vine, but how can we grow uh, together um, uh, as three, three groups? And that's really one of the big goals of the 320 
And this is, this is what led me to it. I was, I, I was with a friend who had expertise in this area, and I'm like, I, I don't know how to get Vandalia uh, to get big enough and grow enough to pay off their building and, and higher staffing. I don't know how to get Nichols to, to, to afford an addition because uh, we're stuck there. I don't know how to get Vine you know, uh, self-sufficient financially. And, and, and boy, we could do that. We could just pay off that building and, and finish the, the basement and the children's ministry and do a few <laughs> other things. And he said, you need to, all, you need to work together. And since we've started doing that, we are right on target with our, our fundraising. And working together, we can meet the needs of all. And so that's community. All right, the last reason uh, is reason. Or I mean, the last point of our, our five points is reason. Why Why in the world do we, would you want to ride 2,000 miles on a motorcycle? <laughs> one, because it's one of the top rides in the world, okay? Like magazine articles are written about this ride. Right? <clears throat> and uh, it's, I know it's going to be beautiful. I've ridden part of the coastline of Lake Superior, and it's, it's just it's majestic, okay? Um, so why do I want to walk out the journey of Christianity? Ephesians 5 says it this way. Now, this verse is normally used in the context of marriage because he uses marriage as an illustration. But the point of the passage is not marriage, and so what I did with this verse is I take out all the references to marriage and just leave in the parts about Christ, uh, our relationship with Jesus Christ all right, and the church. So let's read it this way. So Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. When a man and a woman are joined together in holy matrimony, they become one flesh, one person, one body, right? The two shall become one. What God has put together, let no man separate. All right, marriage is an illustration of our relationship with Christ, but it's an illustration not of our personal relationship with Christ, but the illustration of the corporate, that the church. Jesus, what's it say here? Jesus loved what? The church. Now, he loves you as a Christian. You know, you're his son or daughter. He died for you, Jesus. If only one person accepted Jesus, he would have died on the cross. That's all true. But Jesus loves the church. And the fact that he says that he's working and washing her to present himself glorious without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, without blemish, that means we have spots, and we have wrinkles, and we have blemishes, all right? We got warts, okay, and, and other problems. But Jesus is committed to washing and perfecting and, uh, and, and uh, sanctifying the church. So it's not that the church doesn't have problems. It's actually the church with all of her problems. Jesus is head over heels in love with her. Right. All right? He really is. And I think we should be too. If we love Jesus, we'll love who he loves. John says it this way in Revelation. This is the way at the end of the uh, Bible. It says uh, he, he's having this vision. <clears throat> That the holy, he saw, then I, John, saw the, uh, the holy city, New Jerusalem. Both of those 
are also metaphors for the church. If you, if you read Revelation, you'd see that clearly. And so he saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, or what he's talking about here is the church, coming down from heaven, uh, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And so, guys, that's the, that's the reason. The reason is because we're working toward being part of that holy city, the New Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. And you know, it says there's going to be a wedding feast. All right? And I think, I think the Father is going to throw one amazing feast for his son and his son's bride, which is called the church. You know, and, it's, and it, you know, women have to, all through Scripture, uh, Christians are called sons of God. And that might be hard for a woman to, 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 to kind of interpret that into their lives. But us guys have to de- deal with being called the bride of Christ. Okay? <laughs> and that just weirds me out. Okay? But it's an illustration. It's a metaphor. So everything, the intimacy, the communion, the commitment, the, 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 the sharing, the oneness, that level of intimacy, we are going to share with Jesus Christ in relationship with the Father eternally. And so the ultimate reason uh, for the journey is love. All right, We're in it because we're in a relationship of love, and everything needs to flow out of that reason. Everything we do. Okay? Paul wrote to the church. And he said, I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. Wow. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. And he's writing that to the church in Corinth because they were kind of flirting with others. And he says, no, man, you need to be pure. You're, You're a pure bride to one husband, Jesus Christ. So we need to apply that personally in our union with Christ and as a church. We need to be faithful to Jesus Christ as a bride to her uh, husband um, and have that as the motivation of all we do. And when we boil that down to it, uh, practicality, that means that we're on a journey of love for and from God. In other words, we, we're on this journey because we love God and God loves us, and for and from one another. We love one another, because corporately we're the bride. This is not something we can have privately. We share this honor, this privilege, this blessing with one another, and so we do it for one another. And then zooming way into the 320, it's simply, we're calling us to, to push toward this so that this church can overcome our obstacles uh, you know, we all give to other uh, things in the kingdom. I give to missions. I give to other needs. Uh, and uh, some people give significant amounts to what God's put on your heart. We honor and respect that. And we're not tell- asking you to change that. All we're doing is identifying what we need as a congregation, as a church to grow, and asking each and every one to prayerfully consider giving um, what God puts in your heart so that we can meet this need. And it's all based on Ephesians 3.20, to Him, God, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond, and that's the 3.20 and beyond part of it, uh, all that we ask or think. So we're asking for $1.5 million. We're asking just to reach these, these, these particular goals of each congregation, but God has in mind abundantly beyond what we're asking for. 
You know, those are just <laughs> waypoints on a journey that God's going to take this church. And who knows where we're going to be 20 years from now, right? I'm in this for, for, for the long haul. And I believe that this congregation can reach Cass County and this whole region in a powerful way. I can't wait to see the lives that are changed. Uh, so God's able to do abundantly more than we ask or think according to the power that works in us, uh, within us. To him be the glory right here in the church, in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen.